Amen. 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 With the horns now. Amen. With the rhythm now. Hey. Amen. It's one thing that I've discovered that y'all have that was not available when I was in college, and I really wish it was, was a little thing called Quizlet. Yeah, give it up for Quizlet. Because you're not here to get an education, you're here to get a job, right? So um, Quizlet, if you don't know what Quizlet is, Scott and JR, Quizlet is basically when people in a class take a quiz, they go online and they upload all the questions that were on the quiz so that anyone else could come and, this is right, to find out, no? Right, just one at a time, Noah, help me understand Quizlet. Okay, so so the, the, okay, Gabe was giving me the thing. There's a lot of answers to exams on on Quizlet. Um, it's very helpful to for you if you if uh, someone has already taken the class beforehand. And um, I wish that I had had Quizlet in, in college, but I didn't. And uh, each week, you know, I think that probably all of us, when we come to something like RUF and we're going to open up the Bible and read it. Um, no matter if you've had a lot of experience with the Bible and you're very comfortable with it or you're like, I'm really not sure, I have a lot of questions and frustrations about the Bible. Um, we all come to it going, why should I take this seriously? Why should I listen to this? Why does this have any bearing on my life? And in some ways, like Quizlet, what God is doing is he's giving us sort of a peek at the answers, if, if you will. Um, he's really alerting us in the Bible to what is real, who he is, what he expects of us, how he wants us to live, and how to find life. There will be places in the Bible where it will say, this this is what God requires of you. And that is a really important thing to hear. And the answer to that, by the way, is in Micah 6.8, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And tonight, as we come to this passage, um, this is really one of those kinds of passages where we come to it, and there's really a lot of answers for us into how are we to live? How, how are we to follow God? How are we to have a life with him? So therefore, no matter where we're coming from, it's worth us giving our attention to it. So I'm going to read it. It's in Ephesians chapter five, again, in the New Testament. This is a letter written by a person named Paul to a church in Ephesus. And it was a church of people kind of like us, very divided. You know, doesn't feel like there's a lot of middle ground between two groups of people. And he's trying to teach them how to live together as one. And he says this, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not uh, even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And let me beg you to please not spiral if you're a religious type when you read that. Okay, just hang in there. We'll, we'll get there. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I love this. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine. Again, don't spiral. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, there was a lot there that had a lot to do with how we're supposed to behave. So if we're going to hear that and not just hear shame and not just push back against it as someone telling you how to live your life, we're going to need God to come and, and, and to help us with this. So I'm going to pray and ask that God would come to us by his spirit. Let's pray. Um, our, our Father, uh, we thank you for speaking to us, for not leaving us alone, um, for being clear with us about who you are and who we are and what you've done for us in Jesus. And Lord, there is a lot in this passage that strikes us, probably a lot of us in a tender place and is confusing or frustrating to us. And Lord, I don't want in the midst of those very real feelings for us to miss the opportunity to live a life that is full and free as your children. And so Lord, each of us is coming from a different place. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us right where we need to hear you, that we might see Jesus and that we would have life in him. We pray in his name. Amen. All right, so it, it's probably no secret to you that, that we live in a, in a very consumer-based culture, okay? Pretty much everything that you've ever been given in life and every piece of media that you've ever consumed in life has basically told you that your main function and my main function is to get stuff and to consume it, Right? Um, each of us has been nurtured, really, to consume, to be shoppers. We're, we're, we're nurtured to consume media, to consume food, right? To consume natural resources at whatever rate we feel is, is proper for us. Um, we're taught to consume each other's bodies, consume each other's bodies with our eyes, consume each other's bodies with our bodies. And we are, I, I think if we take a minute to just recognize that, we are exhausted by all that consuming. Um, and really, we don't know where to go from it. 
And I think that's part of what's particularly exhausting because y'all are in college. And this happens every year. We, we, we take a spring break trip to Chattanooga every year and we work with an inner city community development ministry there. And everyone comes back tired. I feel like, like a page just turned on someone's life in here. Um, uh, <laughs> that, that everyone comes back tired, but everyone comes back refreshed in, in a way. Because they spent a week learning how to serve other people. And then you get back to college, and part of what feels exhausting about coming back is like, but this whole experience is about me. And it's about me getting my degree and getting what I need and taking care of myself. Uh, and it's so refreshing often to step outside of that. And so what we do is we, we, we often we look to something like the church, and we say, hopefully this institution has uh, something else to offer that's not just consuming and then what, what do we find? We find greed in the church, and we find abuse scandals in the church, people consuming others' bodies, and, there's, a, and there's, there's abuse and neglect. We find secrecy there. And I think that at some place, no, no matter who we are tonight, we really long for a place like the church to be something different, to be a place where we could escape all this consumption and hurt that is killing us and exhausting us and be able to go there and say, tell me something new. Tell me something different. Tell me something that will change me and give me life. And, and what God is doing, I think, really in, in, in the book of Ephesians, in, in all this behavior stuff, is that he's sort of like given us some answers from the test that we want to know about how can, we, how can the church be a place where people come to, to flourish and, and to grow and to have dignity instead of a place that they come to to be objectified and consumed by one another. And, and, and what he says here, what Paul writes from God in this, is right there at the very beginning of this passage where he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. What God does is he doesn't come and say, here's all the rules to do it right. What he says is, I'm giving you a fundamentally new relationship and a new way of relating to God and relating to your neighbor. God never tells a person to be something that he hasn't already made them. If, if, if you haven't heard that about Jesus yet, that's something to ponder. Everything that God commands from people and every way that he tells us to live is a result of something that he's already made us. He says, imitate God as beloved children. If you, if you know Jesus by faith, if you put your faith in, faith in Jesus, he adopts you into his family. He doesn't just make you a follower. He doesn't just get you into heaven. He makes you a child. And then he says, come learn from me, because that's what good parents do. Good parents bring their children along with them and say, you see what I'm doing? Do this after me. My kids um, are eight, six, and four. And they're fascinated by cooking. They're particularly fascinated by baking stuff because it's delicious when it, when it comes out. And uh, when they're cooking with, with me or my wife, they, they, they all want to mix, right? And, and they, we get the dry ingredients in the bowl and they want to mix like this, you know? Um, because they're excited. And, and what me or my, my wife will do is we'll say, no, 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 no. Here, watch me, right? Here, now do it like me. Let me show you how to do it. Or they want to crack eggs by smashing the eggs, like, you know, throwing them in the air and dunking them, Zion Williamson style, into the, into the bowl, right? Um, and we say, and this is what we say. We say, that's not how we do it. This is how 
we do it follow us. And really what God is saying to each of us tonight is that if you are part of God's family and you're longing to know how do I escape from just consuming and being consumed, how can I find something different, something that gives life? God is saying, this is how we do it in our family. And the pattern that he gives here is, is Jesus. He says at the beginning, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. The pattern for us tonight, and this is the secret, if you want to know what can be special about the church, because if you think about what really could happen if an institution like the church engaged something like sexual assault and actually meaningfully engaged and said, God created women and men in his image and they have dignity. And they, they, they not only should, but must be respected and loved and cared for as brothers and sisters within the church. There was a time in this country where it was not just like possible, but totally normal to think about enslaving another human being. And until people said, we, that's not how we do it. This is something that we move away from. Let's imagine what, what could change. And the pattern that God tells us to live after is that Jesus, who's God, came to be with us and he gave himself up for us so that we could have life. And that was a lovely aroma to God. Okay, so, so what, what I, all I want to do tonight is talk practically about what that can look like for you. If you're here and you know Jesus or you're here and you're interested in knowing Jesus, what could it look like for you to join in this new life, this family life with God? And I want to talk about two old ways and I want to talk about two new ways. And I just want to be really practical about it because it's really practical here. The first old way that Paul shows us here is, is the old way is taking things that reduce that we, that we take things and we consume things from one another that reduce the whole person. And the first thing that he gets at, and we'll, let's dive into it, is he talks about sexual immorality. Okay? That first century Roman Empire was just as obsessed and fascinated with sex as, as our culture is. And casual sex, just like in our culture, was, was, was normal. But for Paul, when, when he's writing and he talks about the love of Jesus... Sort of the first thing that he wants to go to, because he knows that's going to be a place where we're going to run for, for an imitation, is, is cheap sex, right? The sex that the Bible describes, and, and, and I, I continue to be fascinated, because I didn't grow up in the church, but many of y'all did. And I'm like, what did they teach y'all about sex in church? And everyone's like, I don't know that it's bad, you know, um, don't do it, uh, you know. <laughs> And, and then, but when I came to faith as like basically as an adult, as someone your age, I started reading the Bible and I was like, the Bible thinks a lot more about, uh, uh, like that sex is a lot better than anyone ever told me that I thought it was going to be, right? The Bible describes sex as something that is way too meaningful to be experienced through a computer screen all alone or in the dark of a, of, of a, of a room or after a party. Because the Bible tells us that sex is one of the most profound ways that we understand 
how passionately God loves people. That that's actually the, like, there's a purpose in sex that, like, it makes babies, right? You know, sometimes. Um, but not every time. Contrary to what your grandmother may have told you, not, not every time. Um, but the, 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 the deep logic and meaning of sex is that it shows us how passionately God loves us. And only when you are in a committed, lifelong marriage, it's not like, and all of it's, the rest of it's bad and yucky. But basically what the Bible is saying is only when you can walk through a sexual relationship over decades that's just going to be, can you begin to understand how deep and passionate and committed that love is. But I think if each of us is honest, we all know this, that sex is one of the, if not the, it's like food and sex are like the easiest ways that we can deal with our pain, right? I feel lonely. I'm hurt, right? Um, I'm angry. I'm bored. I feel out of control. And so what we do is we objectify ourselves and our bodies and we objectify others in their bodies. We scan somebody. How many people, like if we were just honest, I mean, we're not going to be honest, right? Because we're just, and then we were like, oh, be really sad. How many people have we scanned today? Just for their component pieces, right? Like, I like that. Oh, that's a little... Maybe it's not even someone that you're interested in. Maybe it's someone that is like, like you, but they're just a little bit more of whatever the thing is that you want in your body. And you scan them. It could, it could be in person. It could be at a party. It could be on Sanford Mall where everyone's getting sunburned because the sun is miraculously out after four months of a siesta. Um... <laughs> And we find the parts that we want to consume. And what happens is it hurts us and it reduces. You see how it does? When you break a person down to their component pieces, it reduces them as an individual. And what God is saying is, if you're going to live a new life, you can't reduce people to their component parts. You can't reduce people to something that you can get from them. And it reduces us in the process because it actually reduces us to the level of our cravings, right? And the second thing that he talks about here is coveting, the old way where we take things that reduce. Coveting is just a fancy Bible word for saying that you fixate on something that you want that you don't have. Again, that could be someone's body. We want our body to look like theirs. We want their family. God, you know, I, I'm in college, I, like, I made all these Christian friends and they have these like seemingly intact families. And I was just like, that seems nice. And I fixated it. You know, my, the reason why I, I have problems is because my family, you know, because I, I don't have what they have. I've coveted their family. We might covet their love interest or their car, their grade, their personality, their sweatpants, you know? When I go to the SRC, honestly, number one, I'm like, I'm the oldest person in here by the country mile. And uh, even when I was your age, I didn't look like you. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, your workout clothes are so much cooler than my, than my workout clothes. Uh, I want those workout clothes. <laughs> Coveting. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. So now you hear this stuff, and the question for us is, should you begin to despair because these things are part of your story? Should you begin to despair because you participate in all the things I just said? And I'm talking about everybody in the room participates in the things I just said. So it's okay. You're in good company. The answer is no, you should not despair. 
These things are part of, of, part of my story too, part of my daily. Remember this, and this is important. These things come naturally to us to consume one another, to objectify one another, to want to take from one another. This is what we have been steeped in. You have to recognize, this is the water that we swim in. It says, find something that you want, get it right just like you want it, and then go take it and consume it for yourself. That's how we've been formed. But what God is doing here is he's teaching us a new way. And, and I know because, because of authenticity's sake that you want to feel new and then go do new things. But what Paul is, is telling us here and what God is showing us is you have to start to live the new way in order to feel authentic. It's like when you first get put on the, on the flag football team and you don't ever practice or anything, but you got the jersey, you know what I'm saying? You got the flag on. It doesn't feel authentic until you actually start to go out and do the thing. That's what God is doing. Is he saying, I want to teach you a new way that is, that is better than your cravings. Because look, it is easier to hook up or drink or joke or purchase our pain away. That comes natural to us and we all participate in it. And it's easier to do any of those things than to face the world. And with honesty about who we are, about who other people are, but also have joy. You know, I feel it feels like if we like look into that void, then we will never have joy again. And what God is saying is that he can give us a supernatural power that can begin to look into into the world and actually see goodness and hope. And, and, And what God says is this is how our family does it. Imitate me. Jesus gave of himself. He didn't show up to consume. He showed up to give of himself. One of the most ancient images of the church. If you look in those like old churches, you know, and they have very sad looking people, you know, playing harps and stuff, you know, etched into the walls. One of the oldest images for the church was of a mother pelican. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this. It's like a mother, you know, the pelicans, that bird that flies over the water and had the big thing, you know. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> what mother pelicans do when they have young chicks, pelican chicks, is if they can't find food, they actually rip off their own flesh and feed it to their children, which sounds intense, but it's better than your baby's dying, right? And so what a mother pelican would do is she'll begin to harm herself, to sacrifice herself for her children. And that was one of the earliest pictures of people that were, were knowing Jesus. They were like, what is this thing all about? And they're like, it's kind of like that mother pelican is that Jesus sacrificed for us, and so we begin to functionally, meaningfully put aside consuming each other and instead start feeding each other. Because the new way that Paul shows us here is, it it seems weird, because instead of taking things that reduce, he actually says that we should give thanks. And that by giving thanks, we begin to build each other up. If you look in in verse 4, at the end of verse 4, he says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is slays me every time I read it. <laughs> um, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Instead of that crudeness, let there be thanksgiving. Look, I have hung out with enough guys, and I am one, enough to know that when bros are hanging out being bros, inevitably, it basically becomes a forum for jokes about genitalia. I'm just going to be real about that, okay? Um, like, it just descends into that eventually. And the question is, why? Why do we go there? 
Because we're stupid, someone says. Which is a classic the, you know, guy thing to say. We go there, or I would say, could it be, because that's, that's a nicer way to say it, could it be, that it's easy to slide into crude humor because we're uncomfortable just saying, I love you and I'm really thankful that God made you and that you're in my life. Like that, and like and we're immediately we're like, ah. like if I couldn't say that to like my bro, you know, like um, <laughs> what 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 God is showing us here as a new way is a radical affirmation of other people. This says, I see you as more than your parts. And I see you as more than your gift. And I see you as more than the thing that you love about yourself or that you hate about yourself. I see you as a whole person made in God's image. And I just want to tell you, I'm really thankful for you. Uh, Honestly, you know, if you were here last week, it meant the world for me to have my friend Matt here last week. Um, Because that is someone that I just, you know, he, he tells me, you know, I'm thankful for you. And, and that's beautiful. And so the, the question I have for us is, what opportunity do you have to affirm the people around you? To say, you're beautiful in these ways. To thank God for their humor. To thank God for their gifts. What ways do you have to be radically uh, affirming? And look, being vulnerable is hard. It's really hard. So what we often do, and this is a second old way, and this one's quicker than the other old way, is that we often hide in darkness. We get in darkness to hide our stuff. This is verse 8 through 14. He talks about walking in darkness, right? And uh, the reason why we walk in darkness is because it's easy to hide things there. And uh, because each of us, I think if we're honest, we're scared that someone's going to find out what's really going on with us, right? So we play this game on social media where we're like, this is my real You know, <clears throat> that whispering took it out of me, right? And meanwhile, when when you post that and then you're counting up likes, it's funny. Have you ever seen that meme that's like, when Netflix asks, "Are you still watching?" and I catch a picture of my own reflection in the TV, and it's like that muppet. It's like, right? When we're posting about how amazing our life is, we're literally in a dark room with the glow of our phone. <laughs> You know, like eating Pringles. Because look, the Bible is clear that that sin, and sin is that thing inside of us that moves us away from God. It loves darkness. It loves secrets and whispers because it's easy to hide there. Um, But what does it feel like when you can't share with the people around you that you love what's really going on with you? This is what I thought Bonnie really was pushing us toward. It is soul-crushing to carry something that you feel like you just can't share. And, and, and so what he says here is that when Jesus comes, he shines on us and he begins to expose us. And the invitation that's here is that when Jesus exposes you and shines his light on you, to not run from it, to not, not deaden it, to not justify it, but it's actually an invitation to come on out and be seen. Because again, he says, you are light. Because Jesus sees you for who you are, not just who you want him to see, and because he loves you anyway, he frees you to step out 
and to actually be honest. And that exposure hurts because daylight disinfects things. But I can tell you one thing that is true, and I can tell you this from my own experience, is that Jesus exposes us to heal us and not to shame us. When, when Jesus brings it out, he's not, you're not, he's not seeing, you know, it's not like he's seeing anything for the first time. He brings it out to heal us. And, and, and it's interesting because he talks about drunkenness there in verse 18. And you need to hear, like, alcohol is good. And that was, it was great because last week Matt was like, Jesus wants to make enough wine to get the whole campus drunk. You missed that part. Okay. <coughs> Go back and listen to it on the podcast. Alcohol is good and beautiful. It gladdens us, right? But we often drink too much because we just want to have a good time without worrying about everything that's going to happen. We want to cut off part of ourselves from that. But the Spirit of God offers us something so much better. It's to be exposed, honest, and known, and yet still be able to have a good time. Right? Still be hopeful and confident about the future. Because when you're a beloved child, you don't have to do things in the dark or to drink things away. You can live in the light. My children don't obey me to become my children. My children obey me because, because I'm already their daddy and they're already my children and our relationship is secure and they know he's trying to help me live in freedom. Right? So the new way to bring this all down is to live in the light. To live in the light. And the question here for us is how do you move toward transparency? Who has God placed in your life, maybe for the first time, that you can actually tell that thing to? Don't tell it to everybody, right? Someone that you can trust, that you know cares for you, wants to to build you. Who could you begin to tell your story to? Because by being honest with those around you and not just hiding what's going on, you could actually be inviting others into a new life. I love what he says in verse 19. It says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit, and address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart and giving thanks. Who, who is around you that you can just get together with and just tell them and then just talk about God and even sing a song together, you know? Um, <clears throat> you know, so it was, it was really sad. Um, so if you, so you, probably a lot of y'all know this, or most of y'all know this, is that Nipsey Hussle died uh, this, this week. He was shot and killed in, in, uh, in L.A., He's a rapper, and more importantly than being a rapper, um, Nipsey was amazing in his community. Nipsey was legitimately a good man because he made money and was successful, and from the very beginning said, I'm I'm not going to leave this community. I'm going to invest in this community, a community that is violent community that's hurting and he said i'm going to stay right here and he, he built a, a store a clothing store it was very top, it was very uh, like sort of cutting edge technology and he, he put it in south central la and i listened to so many people being interviewed that said that he w- they were amazed that he didn't put his store in malibu or in beverly hills and what nipsey did was he sacrificed so that his people could have life so that his people could have opportunities so that his people could not didn't have to be reduced but could flourish and grow. And he died as a result of staying. And listen, Jesus, and we'll just close with this, Jesus is a parable of God. 
you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a story where I say, well, you know, faith is like a seed. Or the kingdom is like a father, right? It's something that you can't see. You can't see the kingdom. And I tell you about something that you already see and know so that you can understand it. And Jesus was a parable of God in that when we, if you saw Jesus, you saw God. If you spoke to Jesus, you spoke to God. If you put your arm around Jesus, you put your arm around God. And now, if you know Jesus, you are a parable of Jesus. A living parable. And what that means is that you get to die so that other people can live. That is the purpose that God has for your life. God does not objectify us. He does not consume us. He gives himself so that we can flourish and be fruitful. And if you are his child, you get to do the same. And what I want you to think about is what could change if that happened? If you engage, if you began to imitate God by giving yourself away so that other people could flourish and be dignified? It's a question that I would love for us to to reflect on together. So we're going to pray. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're comfortable, is to grab hands with the person next to you and feel their hand in yours. And then uh, pray with me. Our, Our God, you have shown us what is good and what you require, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly. And those are all things that you already did, Jesus. You've told us that it is good and that we're imitating God if we lay down our lives for others, if we don't consume one another, if we affirm and give life to one another. And Jesus, you already did that. And Lord, the person whose hand we are holding now desperately needs you. They desperately need new life. And Lord, you have made us agents of that new life by making us your children. Lord, if there's someone here tonight and they don't know that they're your child, Lord, would you help them to say yes to Jesus now so that they can know you as their father who loves them? And Lord, for those that are here tonight and they know I'm a daughter of the living God, I'm a son of the living God, Lord, that you would enable them to have the courage to die so that others could live. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen.